All right, I will say good morning. Good morning. Let us begin. Beginning by thanking all of our sponsors to thank our Talmud Torah sponsors for the month of Kislev. To thank Josh and Becca Friedman for dedicating all the Shiurim this month. Le'ili Nishmas Josh's father Yisrael Yehuda Rav Chaim Rafael. To thank the Semi Malka Esterson for dedicating the Shiurim this month in memory of their parents. Yitzchak Leib Ben Aaron, Sarah Rachel Bas Baruch Avram, Hinda Bas Henech Ephraim, and in the schus of the continued health of Mr. Morton Esterson, Almeve Esim Shalim Tobos. To thank the Pepper family for dedicating the Shurim this month, the creation of the yard site of Yosef Pepper, Yosef David, Zichron Lebracha Ben Yaakov. To thank our week of learning sponsors, Ayal and Sarah Steinberg, for dedicating the learning in the schus of Rafush Lehman for Shulamis Bas Susha. And to thank Hillary Jacobson Kent and Akiva Kent for dedicating the Shurim this month, this week, excuse me, in memory of Hillary's father, Hirsch Svi Hirsch Ben Chanoch. And to thank our Day of Learning sponsors, Doug and Gail Stenger, incarnation of the yard site of Doug's father, Shraga Feivel Ben Moshe Avram, Sichorn Levracha. We hope that in the merit of our Talmud Torah, all of the Nishamas will have an Aliyah, the families in the Chama, and those who require a Raku or Fua should have one together with Kol Chol So I will say with that, let us begin. So the truth is, it's a short daf, it's a short daf, but a lot going on. In, actually, not even so much going on topically, just a lot of depth in Mirat Hashem in today's daf. So I will say, let's begin. Today's daf is Mem Dalit 44. We are picking up in Mirat Hashem on Mem Gimel Amad Bey's 43B. So also we left off actually two, four, six lines up from the bottom. Massive Rabbah. So also just to orient ourselves a little bit, we had an interesting Machlokis in the Mishnah. Our Machlokis Mishnah was dealing in the following case. Reuven takes a nether to not give any benefit, to not provide any benefit to Shimon. So we'll say, so what's Ta'alacha? Now, the last case in the Mishnah was Reuven and Shimon are traveling together. Shimon has no food. Shimon has no food. Reuven wants to give him food. Obviously, Reuven cannot give him food directly, as that would be a violation of the nether. So what could Reuven do? So two cases. If they're traveling along with Levi, a third party, so Reuven could gift it to Levi, and Levi could then go ahead and give it to Shimon. What if there's no Shimon in the picture? So the Rabbanon said, not a problem. Reuven, put the food down, make it hefker, and then Shimon could go ahead and come and take it. Abiyosi comes along and says, no, that doesn't work. That does not work. It doesn't work. Fine. Shabbos says, so now we're trying to figure out, Rabbi Yossi, what's your problem? In other words, why, why doesn't that work in your model? Shabbos says, we had so far two approaches. We had two approaches. The first approach was Rabbi Yochanan, and Rabbi Yochanan explained that Hefker, Hefker works like Matana. And just like Matana does not become the property of the intended recipient until when? Until it actually comes into his possession. So too, interestingly enough, Hefker also doesn't come into the possession of the intended recipient until he goes ahead and takes it. But what that means for our purposes is, if it doesn't come into the, into the, if it doesn't come into the, pra- I do something, oh, I didn't start it. I realized. So with, with Hefker, so too, if it doesn't come into the, into the property, ultimately, again, if it doesn't come into the possession of the, it doesn't, for Hefker also, it does not leave the, it does not leave the possession of the owner up until it comes into the possession of the intended recipient. So we'll say, so the reason why according to Yosef, that poses a problem is why? That means that when it goes into Shimon's possession, it's directly leaving Ruvain, directly leaving Ruvain, which of course, again, is going to be problematic, else the nether. 
Okay. Shabbos say, I'm not going to go through all Gemara, but then we challenge that. We challenge that a little bit. Right? And the Gemara wanted to make us, then the Gemara ended up saying that Allah Chalamaisa, essentially, essentially Rabbi Yossi's idea. Now, okay, so one more piece, and then we'll have to start today's Gemara. Then the Gemara essentially says like this the Gemara explains that Halacha Lamaisa, Rabbi Yossi makes an interesting distinction. What was his distinction? His distinction was in a case, in a case where the in a case where the timing of, does he make it hefker first and then make the nether, or make the nether first and then become and then create the hefker? And the Gemara wanted to suggest that Allah that makes a fundamental distinction in the realm of Rabbi Yossi, that whereas the hefker occurred first and then the nether, the hefker wouldn't be included in the nether, versus when the nether occurred first and then he made hefker, the hefker would be included in the nether. The logic behind that says the Gemara is that Halacha Lamaisa Rabbi Yossi holds any time you make a neder, ultimately again the neder doesn't include that which you previously made hefker. Good. That's the Chazara from yesterday's surya. Now says the Gemara will say Mem Gimel on base forty three b six lines up from the bottom. Massive Rava. So Rava raised the question. Mitzasan l'rishon v'kulon l'sheni. So Rava says now here we go. An interesting case. This is a case of a shchiv meira, someone who is on his deathbed. Shabbos says, so let's read this and then we're going to, to, to delve a little bit more into actually what it means. So in this case, the Shchiv Meira, the person on his deathbed, conveyed property to two different people. First, we'll call it, first we'll call the Shchiv Meira gave to Ruvain, and then he gave to Shimon. Now the Lashon over here is like this. Mitzasen Rishon, he gave some of his property to Ruvain, and then Kulon Lashemi, then gave all of his property ultimately again to Shimon. Shabbos says, so what's Talacha? Rishon Kana, Ruvain acquired, Sheni Lo Kana. Ru- Shimon does not acquire. Now, I will say, the truth is, I'm just going to point this out to you. There is like a raging machlokis over here as to how to interpret this case. Literally just on the page, Rashi has an approach, the Ran has an approach, and the Rush has an approach. For the sake of simplicity, we're going to go with the Rush. So I will say, so the Rush is in the left-hand margin. So we're going to skip around in the Rush a little bit as well. Take a look, take a look at, take a look at, um, the Rosh left-hand column, about two, four, six, eight, nine lines in. Mitzasan the Rishon. Mitzasan the Rishon. The Kulon the Sheni, Rishon Kana Sheni Lokana. So look at the Rosh writes. He says, Shchiv Meira, Hamechalik Nechasav, Binosi Mitzasan the Rishon Mekinim. So here's the case. Shchiv Meira. Just going to call him Shchiv Meira. Guy's on his deathbed. He's giving away property. So he gave away part of his property, ultimately, to Ruvain, the Achakach, Amar, the Kulon the Sheni. And then he said, all of the property goes to Shimon. Goes to Shimon. So Rishon Kana, Bim Amad Inochozer. So we'll say what this means is now, look, look, just a little bit more background. So we'll say, the daf is very short, but the cases are a little bit involved. So listen to this. In general, when the Shechid gives a gift, I will say, see, the interesting part is, let's say, let's say we'll call him Shechid gives a gift. So he gives, gives property to Ruben. And now what happens? Baruch Hashem, Yezra Fu so the truth is, everyone is saying, Baruch Hashem, Yad Rafu Hashem, except for who? Except for who? Ruvay. Right, Ruvay. They'll say, why? Because what's the question? The question is, when a guy in his deathbed gives a gift, is the gift predicated on his imminent death, or is the gift kind of unconditional? So here's what's interesting about the gift of a Shechimera. The Gemara says, it depends. What does it depend on? If a Shechimera gives away all of his property, the assumption is that gift is dependent on his death. Right? And should he recover, should he recover, the death is, sorry, the, the gift is void. The death is void also, right? But the, the, gift, the gift is void. 
On the other hand, if a Shechimra only gives away partial property, right? A little bit to this, a little bit to this, a little bit to this. The assumption right now is that gift will be valid even if the Shechimra does not die. Right, which makes sense because again, since he's only giving away partial things, it's normal for people to give away stuff even when they're totally healthy, Bar Hashem, and therefore that gift stands even if even if he recovers. Shabose, so what's interesting about this case is as follows. In this case over here, Shriv Mera is giving Ruvain something, giving Ruvain something, right? A, a parcel, not everything, and then he gives Shimon everything. He gives Shimon everything. Now, both say, so therefore, what does the Gemara say? Now, Shechiv Merah recovers. What's the halacha? What's the halacha? So, Rishon Kana, Sheni Lo Kana. Rishon Ruvain, he, he, keeps his, he keeps his gift. Why does he keep his gift? Why does he keep his gift? Because since it was only a partial conveyance of the Shechiv Merah, such a conveyance is effective even in the event of the Shechiv Merah's recovery. Shimon, however, got everything. So because Shimon got everything, therefore what? Therefore what? Therefore, halacha lamaisa, that type of gift is really predicated on the Shemura's death. And therefore, since the Shemura doesn't die, ultimately Shimon doesn't get to keep his property. Now, Rebbe say, what's the tricky part? What's the tricky part? What does it mean that Shimon got everything? Right? Because right, how does the case read? Shemura gives Reuven a gift, right? Something, and then he gives Shimon everything. Rebbe say, there are two ways to understand everything. What are the two ways to understand everything? Everything could either mean, right? Everything that's left over after the gift to Ruvain, or, or the second possibility, is that Shechid actually changed his mind about Ruvain, right? Or I should say, included in Shimon's gift, included in Shimon's gift, ultimately, again, everything that he also had given to Ruvain. And I both say, the distinction between those two cases, and this is where the rush comes in. Let's skip down in the rush. So we'll say, if you go in the rush, White lines, second line in. See it? In the middle of the line. So the Rush says, The Rush understands the cases like this. When Ruvain, well, sorry, when Shechidmira gave to Ruvain the gift, gave to Ruvain the gift, ultimately, again, he had no intention of giving Shimon anything. So he's giving Ruvain a partial gift and has no intentions about Shimon. The Shuv, Nimlach, Lachsar, Rishon, Ultimately, again, then Shechidmira has a change of heart. What's his change of heart? He decides not to give a gift to Ruvain and to give everything to Shimon. So was like, in the Rosh's understanding of things, when Shechidmira makes a gift of everything to Shimon, he's giving everything to Shimon. Even that, which was originally allocated for Ruvain. Therefore, again, the ikulon l'sheni dekamra hainu mashashir min Here's what's interesting. Remember we said, there's a lot going on over here. Remember we said before that if a shchid mirah just gives a partial gift to individuals, that gift does not work. I'm sorry, let me say that again. If a shchid gives a partial gift to individuals, then we assume that that gift it works even if the Shechimera recovers, right? The only time something is called a true deathbed conveyance is when the Shechimera gives away everything. There's one exception to that rule. If the Shechimera does give away his entire estate, but to multiple people. So if he were to go ahead and give some property to Ruvain, and then the gift of the rest of his property to Shimon, even though he's only giving a partial gift to Ruvain and a partial gift to Shimon, since it's the entirety of his estate, that is a Matnas Shechimera, 
and therefore should he recover ultimately again, the gift is void. Therefore, the rush says it can't be that that's the case. Because if that's the case, that he's giving a gift to Reuben, and then the rest that remains to Shimon, that means everyone's receiving a part of the estate. That's called the Matna Shchivmira. And therefore, should the Shchivmira recover, no one gets anything. The fact that we say the first person is Kona, the second person is not, indicates to us that the case must be he's giving something to Reuben, he's giving something to Reuben, and then ultimately again changes his mind and gives everything to Shimon. Everything to Shimon. Then I will say, what's the halacha? If the Shechid Merah recovers, the gift to Shimon is void, but the gift to Ruvain still stands. Then I will say, why is this here? What, 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 what is this doing in our sugya? So I will say here, look at the rush, follow the rush. The rush says, So therefore it says rush, it must be that when he gives the gift to Ruvain, sorry, to Shimon, the second guy, he's including everything, including that which he originally allocated to Shimon, here it is, Rebbe Osai. Right, what, what's happening in this case? What do you see? That when Shechid Merah gives a gift to Shimon, Rebbe Osai, what is, he coming, what is he including in that gift? What is he including in that gift? Everything he originally gave to Reuben as well. So, so too says the Rush. What do you see from here? That even when a person does something, they include stuff they gave away before. Why is this important for us? Rebbe Osai, going back to Rabbi Yossi. What did we say about Rabbi Yossi? We said that according to Rabbi Yossi, if you make something hefker and then make a neder, right? Ruben, so Ruben makes property hefker and then Ruben makes a neder, what? To not give Shimon any benefit. Rabbi Yossi wanted to suggest that that neder does not include the stuff that Shimon, that Ruben had previously made hefker. Rabbi Yossi, you see from here that that's not the case. You see from here that even Allah Chalamais, when Reuven makes something hefker, when Reuven makes something hefker, then makes a nether, the nether should include even the stuff that he previously made hefker. Much in the same way that when the Shchiv Mera goes ahead and gives a gift to Shimon, what does he include in that gift to Shimon? He says everything. What does he include? Even the stuff that he went ahead and gave to Reuven. So the point I will say that the Gemara is making is that when you do something, when you do something now, it may very well potentially include the things that you had in mind for different ways beforehand. So therefore, again, in Rabbi Yossi's model, we said, if you make an item hefker, and then Reuben, you make a nether not to give Shimon any kind of benefit, halacha lamaisa, halacha lamaisa, sorry, right? halacha lamaisa, ultimately, again, that nether doesn't include that which was previously hefker. Kamash Mu'am, the Gemara says, yes, it does. Yes, it does. In which case, again, we have a problem once again with Rabbi Yossi. To which the Gemara says, Ela Amar Rava, Rabbi Yossi. What's Rabbi Yossi's problem? Rabbi Yossi says it's so much simpler. Maknas Beis Charon. Beis Charon. Rabbi Yossi said the problem of Rabbi Yossi, ultimately, again, is a case of the gift of Beis Charon. So Rabbi Yossi it's interesting how we took such a journey to finally get to this, but this is the Pasha Pshat. Rabbi Yossi what's Rabbi Yossi's problem with the whole Hefker thing in the Mishnah? What's his problem? It's very simple. His term, I will say, is the case of Beis Choron is a case we're going to see later on. I will say, Rashi actually quotes it. Rashi quotes it. So this was a case, following case. A guy makes a nether that his father can't get any benefits from his property. That's right. Son makes a nether, my father cannot benefit from me. Son is now making a chasana. Son wants his father to attend the chasana. So what does son do? What does son do? Son goes ahead and gives all of his property to a third party, 
right? All the wedding hall, the food, right? He gives everything to the third party and says, everything now, everything I have is a gift to you, is a gift to you. Now, I will say, what was son's intention? What was son's intention? Son's intention is that his father should be able to come to the chasana, right? And now eat the food, benefit, because again, every, no, nothing, nothing belongs to the son anymore. So say, so we'll call the guy Ruvain. So what did Ruvain do? So son said, here, everything belongs to you. What does Ruvain do? Well, if everything belongs to me, I hereby make it hectic. Son's like, whoa, pump the brakes. That's not what I meant. I meant everything it belongs to you just to create, just to create a little bit of a halachic fiction so that my father should come to the chasana. Right? So, 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 son is, so son is straightforward about his intentions. So we'll say, the Gemara, that Gemara calls that a mak, this happened in, in a place called Beis Choron. The Gemara says, that's an example of a disingenuous gift. So I will say, what, what is Rabbi Yossi concerned about in our Mishnah? Rabbi Yossi is concerned about in our Mishnah that in our case, where Reuven and Shimon are traveling together, Reuven made a nether that Shimon can't get any benefit from him. Now Shimon needs food. So suddenly again, what does Reuven do? What does Reuven do? He puts the food down on the ground and says, Hefker. Rabbi Yossi says, come on. It's not Hefker. It's not Hefker. What are you doing? Right, Reuven, what are you doing? You're trying to get the food from your possession to Shimon's possession without violating your nether. It's not real hefker. Rabbi Yossi in general has a concern when people employ halachic mechanisms which are not genuine. So whether it's giving a gift that is not a genuine gift, or whether it's making something hefker and not genuinely hefker, Rabbi Yossi doesn't like it. That's what I will say. So that's at the end of the day what we're concerned about. And I will say, what's the raya to that? What's the raya? Ruvain, they're traveling together. Ruvain puts the food down on the ground, says it's hefker. So I will say, Levi hears it, and when he comes running through and picks up the food, what's going to be Ruvain's feeling? What's, what's Ruvain's feeling about that? Ruvain's going to be very upset. That wasn't my intention. Well, again, so Rabbi Yossi will say, if you make something hefker, and you're not happy with who took it, then what does that show? What does that show? That you didn't really make it hefker. So I will say, that's the case of Manas Beis Choro. So Tanya, so let's analyze. Hamafkir as Sadeu Kol Shlo will say very interesting case. Person makes his field hefker. Kol Shlo Shiyam Lachzer Yachal Lachzer Bo. say also a lot of these gemaras are subject to intense dispute in terms of their explanation, even right on the daf itself. So we're going to see just a moment. Person makes his field hefker. Kol Shlo Shiyamim Yachal Lachzer For the first three days after you made it hefker, you have the ability to go ahead and retract that declaration. After that, you can't retract the declaration. I will say, now what is going on over here? So I will say, if you take a look for just a moment in the run, now we're going to be in the middle of the run. We are two, four, six, eight, ten, twelve lines up from the bottom of the run. I will say, see, the first word on the line is umefarish taima. Umefarish taima lekamon. The mafkirin bahadrin bun. I say, what does this mean? You make an item hefker. I'm going to see this in the Ramam as well. You make an item hefker, and then you go out and you retract the hefker designation. What does that mean? You could do that. Mishum the hefker patra mina meiser. say, listen to this. Listen to this. When you make something hefker, essentially what it becomes is tax free, right? So I make my property hefker. What does that mean? Suddenly my property is not chayiv and shumas and meisrus. I don't have to tithe it. So I say, what was the concern? People were utilizing this as a tax loophole. And what were they doing? They were going ahead and making their property hefker. It's a great kunz. They're making, it's excellent. They're making their property hefker. You make it hefker and then what do you do in the next moment or in the next hour? You take it back. You take it back. And what I say, the halacha is anything that you acquire from hefker is also exempt from meiser. So people would make their property hefker and go ahead and then reclaim ownership 
but you're reclining. Oh, I, 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 I see a lot of like heads shaking. Yeah, it's good time. Had good kizuk, as they say. Right? So they were reclaiming their property, and now again, my property was exempt from Meiser. So the Ran says over here, Shahayu, so the Gemara says, Hayu Ramoin, Mafkirin Sadov, saying, Gedeli Potter. So you had about say, you had Ramai. What's that? What's, what's a Ramai? Right? A Ramai is a deceitful person. So you had deceitful people that were exploiting this loophole, making their property Hefker in order to go ahead and then reclaim it and say, ah, oh, I acquired this from Hefker, and therefore again it's Meister free. And we'll say when they made it Hefker, their entire intention was to reacquire it. Therefore, their entire process of making something hefker was a subterfuge. Listen to this. So therefore, Chazal said like this, essentially, essentially, you have three days to go ahead and, so if you make something hefker, you have three days to retract your Hefker designation, which I will say by definition means as follows. If you make something Hefker, and then what? Reacquire that item within three days. What have you effectively done? What have you done? You've canceled your Hefker declaration. So I will say, what does that do? Duran goes in and he points out, he says, if somebody was utilizing this as a subterfuge, so I will say, there's only so long you're going to allow your field to remain Hefker. Why? Why? because someone else could come along and acquire it. So those who are looking to exploit this loophole, what they would do is they would leave it Hefker for some amount of time, never longer than three days. So look at this chat that Chazal did. Chazal said, no problem. When you make something Hefker, you have three days to attract the designation, which means if you reacquire that property within three days, it's as if you've canceled your Hefker declaration, and now it's yours, like if it never happened, like if it never happened, and I will say what that does is that roots out anyone who's trying to exploit this as a tax shelter. Incredible, incredible. So I will say, let's go back there. After three days, after three days, you can no longer go ahead and cancel out the Hefker designation. Top of Memdalit. However, Amar, what happens if a person says, this field should be Hefker for one day? Right, that's the designation of it. It should be Hefker for one day. And I want to point out, when you say that, that's not necessarily trying to do anything illicit. In other words, I might just be saying the field should be Hefker for one day. Whoever comes and gets it in that one day, that's, it's a time designation. Or Shabbos Echad for one week, L'Chodesh Echad for one month, L'Shana Achas for one year, L'Shavu Achas for one Shemit, for one seven-year period. So we'll say, what's that look in these cases? Here we go. Ad so as long as no one else has acquired it, so when I make that designation, right? So I make that stipulation. My field, let's just keep a simple case. My field should be, should be Hefker for one week. Okay. So as long as no one else has acquired that field, I haven't reacquired it. Because remember again, when you make something Hefker, you also have the ability to what? If I, if, I, if, if, I make, if I make my Gemara, I make, I make my Shtender Hefker. Shtender Hefker, right? So I say, who has the right to acquire it? Anyone, including who? Me. In other words, I, I'm no different than anyone else when it comes to Hefker, even though I'm the one who made it Hefker. So the Gemara says like this, I say my field would be Hefker for a week. So if neither I nor anyone else acquired it during that time, I have the ability 
to cancel that Hefker designation. In other words, up until the point that someone has gone ahead and taken possession of that field, I have the ability to cancel my Hefker designation. Okay. Obviously, I will say, when the point comes that either I or someone else has acquired it, at that point again, then I no longer have the right to go ahead and cancel that designation. Fine. Shabbos says, so now I have, now I have two cases. Case number one is I'm just, it's all the same b'risa. Case number one, I made something hefker. There are three days, right? Within the first three days after the designation, I have the ability to go ahead and cancel that hefker designation. So if I were to reacquire it, Within those three days, by definition, it's canceled. Both say, by the way, I just want to point out we're not delving into it, but one of the interesting major flashpoints over here of this sugya is if someone else acquired that property in the first three days, what happens? Could I still cancel the Hefker designation or not? The Ran says yes, the Rush says no, but again, we're not wading into that machlokas. So, case number one is you make something Hefker for the first three days after your designation of Hefker, you have the ability to walk that back. You have the ability to cancel that designation. Case two, you make a time Hefker declaration. My field is Hefker for a week, for a month, for a year, for seven years, whatever it is. As long as no one else has, as long as no one else has acquired that item, you have the ability to walk back that Hefker designation. So again, I just want to be clear. What does it mean to walk back the Hefker designation? What does it mean to walk it back? You could cancel it. You could cancel it. It's as if. I never made a Hefker declaration. So the property was never Hefker. You can walk that back. Once someone has acquired it, either myself or someone else, you cannot walk back the Hefker designation. Good. Says the Gemara, Amar Ula, Sefer, I'm sorry. So the Gemara says, fine. Reisha Rabbanan Sefer Rabiosi. So we'll say, Sobepashtos, the first case reflects the view of the Rabbanan. The second case reflects the view of Rabiosi. Now, so let's go back for just a moment. Remember again, we have a raging machlokas in the world of Hefker between the Rabban and Rabbi Yossi. What's the raging machlokas? The Rabban and the Bosai, when does something become Hefker? When does something become Hefker? The moment you make it Hefker. I say this shtender is Hefker, it's Hefker. I no longer own it. According to Rabbi Yossi, I will say, if I say this shtender is Hefker, when do I truly relinquish my ownership? When? When someone else takes possession of it. But up until the point that someone takes possession of it, it's still mine. Even though I have, even though I have said it's Hefker. So the Gemara wants to suggest that the first case is the Rabbanon, second case is Rabbi Yossi. How so? I'll say, take a look at Rashi. Rashi's right across. Rashi's right across, on the right hand side. Rashi's Rabbanon, say Rabbi Yossi. Rashi's Rabbanon, say Rabbi Yossi. Rashi's Rabbanon, say Rabbi Yossi. Rabbi Yossi, so listen to this. Because in the first case, Rabbi Yossi, what does happen after the first three days, right? I make, I make the shtender hefker. Three days go by. What happens? What happens? What happens? It's hefker. Even though what? Even though what? It has not come into someone else's possession. So that's the Rabbanon. That once you make something hefker, even if it doesn't come into someone else's possession, it's hefker. So the ratio of the first case, again, I both say, the three-day, I just want to point out, the three-day window is there to prevent unscrupulous individuals, right? To prevent Ramos, to prevent subterfuge, to prevent someone from exploiting the Hefker system to create a tax shelter for their property. That, that's what's happening. But after the three days, after the three days, the property automatically becomes ownerless, even though no one else is taking possession of it. That's the Rabbanon. Versus the Seifa, the second case, 
which is the case of time to hefker, which tells me that as long as which tells me that as long as someone else has not taken possession of it, it's not yet, it's not yet truly hefker. To which the Gemara says, Amra not necessarily, Seifa Nami Rabbanani. The truth is, even the Seifa, Ula says the Seifa could also go ahead and reflect the view of the Rabban. I both say, now how so? Take a look at Rashi again. First wide line in Rashi, Amra Ula, Seifa Nami Rabbanani, Tevadim Midoraisa, Afagab Lo Asir Shazoha, Habi Hefker La Alter, Bafilum Yom Rishon. So I'll say, in reality, in reality, Midda Oraisa, the moment you make something Hefker, it's Hefker. Even if it has not yet come into the possession of someone else. We're going to see this in a little bit. Ula, right, even, right, I'm sorry, sorry, right, this is, right, this, this is the ratio, excuse me. But the Seifa, skip down a little bit, skip in Rashi. The Seifa, Damar, Adshalo, Zachaba, Lo, Havi, Hefker, Demashma, Ado, Asil, Rosh, Zoha, Hainu, Taimon, Deshaini, Chodesh, Veshana, Veshavua, Delo, Shrichan. We're going to see that Ula is going to say this case of timed Hefker is an unusual case. Is an unusual case. And in an unusual case, maybe even the Rabbanon ultimately would agree. Say, so the Rabbanon normally say that something becomes just Hefker. Hefker. As soon as you make it Hefker, it leaves your domain, even if what? Even if someone doesn't take possession of it, that's in a typical case of Hefker. It could very well be that this case of timed Hefker is an unusual case. And therefore, it doesn't fully leave my domain until the time expires. Ihachi, amai adshelo zachaba bein hu bein achar yachalachzibo. So we'll say that's the case. Halacha lemaisa, halacha lemaisa. If it's according to the Rabbanon, right? Ihachi, amai adshelo zachaba bein hu bein achar yachalachzibo. So we'll say then why does the Brisa say if ultimately again adshelo zachaba? Right? The Brisa said up until if he doesn't reacquire it or someone else acquires it, he's able to go ahead and renege. So I say, according to the Rabbanon, according to the Rabbanon, you can never renege. But I say, according to the Rabbanon, once you make something hefker, then what I say? It remains forever hefker. In other words, until someone requires it, even before someone else, someone else acquires it. I say, remember, the fundamental point of contention between the Rabbanon and Rabbi Yossi is when you make an item hefker, does that hefker status set in immediately? Or, and therefore, again, the owner has relinquished his ownership, or... Maybe the owner only truly relinquishes his ownership once the property comes into the hands of the second party. If Ula, if you want to say that the Seifa is even the Rabbanon, then in the t- case of timed Hefker, why do we say that the owner has the ability to recant or retract the Hefker designation? According to the Rabbanon, once you make something Hefker, by definition, it's Hefker. That's it. There's nothing more to talk about. To which the Gemara says, "Shiny Shana Vishavua Tilo Shrihi. So I said, this is the answer. It could very well be what I said. It's actually very interesting. So it could be what the Gemara is saying is like this. The Rabbana normally heard Rabbana say, the Rabbana normally say, if you make something hefker, what happens? What happens, right? I say, this tender is hefker. Rabbana say, halachically, what has happened in that moment? What has happened? I don't own it. I don't own it. Even before someone else even hears about the hefker, even before someone else... I don't own it. But one second, you, what about the following case? We said before, I make my field hefker for a week. Hefker for a week. What did the Bryces say? What did the Bryces say? As long as no one, during that week, as long as no one else has taken possession of it, I have the ability to do what? To do what? To recant and to retract. But according, now, Ula wants to suggest that even goes according to the Rabbanon. But the Rabbanon say, once you make something hefker, it's hefker and you can't retract it. So how does that stim? 
to which the Gemara says something very interesting. This is, a, we'll say, the case of timed Hefker is an unusual case. It could very well be that, according to the Rabbanon, in this unusual case, they will agree that you could walk back the Hefker as long as no one else has taken possession of the object, which makes sense, Rabbi say, Because this whole thing is a timed Hefkerus, it makes sense to say that you could potentially walk it back. Okay. Rish Lakish, Rish Lakish says, May the safe Rabbi Yossi, Rishinam Rabbi Yossi. Rish Lakish says, no, since the Seifa, again, I will say in general, when it comes to a Brisa, we like to have kind of coherent authorship throughout the entire thing. So therefore, if the Seifa is going to be Rabbi Yossi, the Reisha is also going to be Rabbi Yossi. Aye, but according to Rabbi Yossi, again, Halacha Lamaisa, after three days, it sounds like the item automatically becomes Hefker. But according to Rabbi Yossi, an item only becomes Hefker when? When? When it comes into the possession of someone else. So what's going on over here? Ihachi, I feel, sorry, the Gemara Reisha, Hainu Taima, Dolalishkach Toras Hefker. So this is very interesting. So the Reisha, what's the whole Chap? The whole Chap, ultimately, again, is we don't want the concept of Hefker to be forgotten. I will say, what, what does that mean? What does that mean? So if you look, I will say, at the rush for just a moment, the rush on the right-hand column, right in the middle, says, Reisha Nami Rabbi Yossi, Tolishtachach Torah's Hefker, the Minahadin the Olam Hayel Yochel Lachzerbo, the Chayeves B'Meiser, the Lohavi Hefker, at the Asi the Rosh Hazocha, say this is very interesting. He holds like this. Shabbosay, it's actually fascinating. I make an item hefker. I make an item hefker. Okay, so let's play this out. So what's the For the first three days, what's the What's the If I go, I, I can walk it back. Now, say according to Shabbosay, that's not a chiddush. Because according to Shabbosay, again, you can walk it back as long as what? Someone else has not taken possession of it. The Chiddush Kodesh Rabbi is after three days, you can't walk it back. Now again, after three days, if someone else has not taken possession of it, you could take possession of it, but you can't walk back the Hefker Declaration. Albert Rabbi according to you, that should be mutter, since according to you, again, the item remains ownerless, or the item kind of remains yours, I should say, until someone else takes possession. Rabbi Yossi says the problem with that is, if you could do it infinitum, right? If you could just do it forever, the concept of Hefker will be forgotten. So in order that the concept of Hefker should not be forgotten, Chazal instituted that after three days, you can't walk back your Hefker designation. You can go ahead and reacquire it if you want, but you can't walk it back in order to maintain the concept of Hefker. I says the Gemara, If that's the case, Rabbi Yossi, then why not even say from the first day, let it be Hefker? Okay, so as we said before, because Rabbi says, because once again, so we have Rabbi said this very interesting, delicate balance, according to Rabbi Yossi. When you make an item hefker, for the first three days, you can walk it back. You can walk it back. Afterwards, you can't walk back your hefker declaration. Why, Rabbi Say? So again, for the first three days, because we're, expo- we're concerned that people are going to exploit this mechanism, right? They're going to make something hefker in order to free their produce from any type of meister obligation. And therefore, in order to avoid that, what we do, what we say is, if you go ahead and make something Hefker, then th- within three days, take it back. Ultimately, it's like you never made it Hefker. After three days, it is Hefker. Even according to Rabbi Yossi, who says that something doesn't only become Hefker until it really reaches the possession of a second party. But after three days, Chazal needed to safeguard the concept of Hefker. And therefore, Halacha Lamaisa, after three days, even according to Rabbi Yossi, it becomes Hefker, even if it has not come into the possession of someone else. To which the Gemara says, Aval Daraisa, Lohavi Hefker. But here's what's interesting about Say, but according to Rabbi Yossi, Midaraisa is not Hefker. 
Because going to Rabbi Yossi, ultimately, again, it still kind of remains in your possession up until the point that what? Someone else takes possession of it. Well, if that's the case, I'll say, Amen Beis, that Dilma, so now we have a problem. What's our problem? You pretty much have a situation of property that's hefker, that's not really hefker midaraisa. And I will say, if property is not really hefker midaraisa, then what? Then what? Then it's chayiv in meiser. If it's chayiv in meiser, I will say, you may get into a very, very confusing situation of tithing from things that are chayiv on meiser from things that are not chayiv on meiser, chayiv in meiser. And I will say, that's always incredibly complicated. So in other words, what you have essentially is a piece of property, is a piece of property that really midoraisa is not hefker. If it's not hefker, then it's chayiv in meiser. And if it's chayiv in meiser, you may come to go ahead and use it, or you, you may tithe that which is obligated in meiser on that which is not obligated in meiser. To which the Gemara says, no. The Gemara says, no. What we tell a person with this kind of property is when you tie this kind of property, tie it on itself from itself. In other words, they both say, so certain properties which are kind of caught up in a little bit of a, of a legal tug of war in terms of what their status is, we say to the owner of that property, tie it, it, uh, it from it in it. In other words, only tie the produce of this field from that very same field, don't go ahead and type other fields from it or type it from other fields because in fact the halachic designation may be fundamentally different. Good. So basically, Mariz the Kasha, Hamafkiris Karma, both say very interesting case, Hamafkiris Karma, Ulam Ulushachar Amaru Basra, both listen to this case. Person makes his field hefker, makes his field hefker, and then the next morning he gets up and he harvests the field. Now, both say, so let's be clear. When you go and you make your field hefker, there's something called peret and ololos. Peret, peret and ololos means kind of like leket and shichacha. Just like in leket and shichacha, you drop stalks, you leave them on the ground. You leave behind the bushel, you leave, it, you leave it for the poor. So too by vines, you leave behind a couple of straggling grapes, you leave it on the vine. You leave a, a cluster, you leave it on the vine. In other words, that, that's talacha. So we'll say, listen to this case. So same idea. If you go ahead and you have a vineyard and you make that vineyard hefker, you make that vineyard hefker. And I will say, see now, once you make it hefker, it's putter from what we call peret and ololos, which is like the, 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 the grapes or the clusters that are left behind, which makes sense. In other words, you make something hefker, it's exempt from tithes. Now what happens? The next morning you got up and you harvested that vineyard. Amr al-Basro, chayiv beperet ololos b'shichacha upeah upatra bin so I'll say, interestingly enough, if you get up the next morning and you go ahead and you harvest that vineyard, so what's ta'alacha? You're going to be chayiv in parat and ololos, and peah, but you're potter from meiser. You're potter from meiser. So I will say, now here's what's interesting. So if you look at the ran for just a moment, I will say, so it's the last three lines in the ran. Meisei, hamaf, I have no idea how I'm running up against the clock on a daf like this, but okay, fine. So, so Meisei, hamaf, kiris, karmol, shachar, amur, abatsor, the ran says, mishum, daf agav, de hefker, patr, mikulu, kidarmina, ba'alma, nishmar, lumi, ute, hefker, afilu, hachim, mishum, de bekulu, hanik, siv, tazov, yiseira, mechayiv, kolecha, shehich, sik, bohu, asmo, bahachis. So we'll say, we're going to see, interestingly enough, that halacha is, that by these unique tithes that are related to the vineyard, if you go ahead and you make it hefker, and then you take possession of it again, right, or you do something that looks like you're taking possession of it again, you're going to be chayiv 
in those unique tithes associated with the vineyard. Conversely, the Ran says, you're part of from Meiser, why? The Haven, the Lok Sib, the Meiser, Tazo, Yisira, Loshnahu, Loshnaacher, Potter. So I will say, what we're going to see is as follows that Halacha Lamaisa, Halacha Lamaisa, we're actually, actually going to stop with this case for today. We'll pick up, we have time for tomorrow also. We'll pick up with this case tomorrow, we'll say. But what we're going to see is that Halacha Lamaisa, vineyard is something very interesting. That if you make a vineyard hefker and then you do something which demonstrates ownership, you're going to be chayiv in certain tithes and ultimately, again, putter from other tithes. So Rabosai, why that distinction is in Merit Hashem, we'll see tomorrow. What I just do want to end off with Rabosai is one piece of interesting halacha lamaisa, which is what do we do with this three-day, with this three-day hefker? Rabosai, so the Rambam Paskins in Hilchos Nadar and Perak Beis Halacha Yudzayim, Hamafkir Esadevalo Zachaba Adam Koshloshi Yamim Yachalachzerbo. Rabosai, we accept this premise. That if you go out and you make something hefker, you make something hefker, right? And someone, no one else acquired it for the first three days, you are permitted to walk back that hefker designation. After three days, ultimately again, so you cannot renege on the hefker. So I just want to show you something amazing. Again, we'll see this more tomorrow because look what we have outstanding. Number one, we have a couple of things outstanding. Number one, the Mishnah. Right, the Mishnah. What do Reuven and Shimon do? Shimon needs food. Reuven ultimately has food. Does making the food hefker work or not? That's outstanding issue number one. Outstanding issue number two. Is there such a thing as a three-day window after hefker? Outstanding issue number three, Abosai, is what happens after three days? Right, does actual hefker begin or not? And outstanding issue number four, which is really the overarching global issue, is the Machlokas, Rabbana, and Rabiosi about the mechanics of Hefker. When you make something Hefker, does that item automatically leave your domain, literally upon making it Hefker, or Halacha Lamaisa, does it remain partially tethered to you until someone else takes possession? Rabosai, the answer to all of those questions, and tomorrow's daf, Emir Hashem, tomorrow. Shigaya. Can you use the all right, Chavran Zoom, have a great day, everyone. It was a-